Everybody, welcome back for another episode of the Homeroom Educating Educators. I'm your host Drew, missing from the land down under, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host Kaylee from the land up over. Welcome, Kaylee. Hello, hello. All right, Kaylee, what are we talking about today? What are we going to get our, sink our teeth into and get stuck into? Um, I kind of wanted to talk about the school schedule, like during the year, and what that looks like for you guys. Yeah, sure. Let's, let's husband and I were talking about um, that today um, with summer break. And if you guys do summer break or not. We do, but because of where we are in the world, our summer's at a different time of the year. So this year, I'll give you a bit of a rundown of what our year looks like. We have four terms divided into two semesters. So first half of the year and second half of the year. Um, my first term this year was a 11-week term which brought us into the Easter holidays, which goes for two weeks, which I'm currently in last week at the moment. I go back for nine week term in term two, have two weeks off again, then have a 11 week term, then two weeks off again, and then a 12 week term at the end of the year with a roughly five to six week holiday over the Christmas break slash out summer. So you guys get a lot of time off. Yeah, we get about 12 weeks a year. I think I need to look up the schedule because I know... When I was in school, we got more time off. Like for Easter, we got a week. Um, and then they switched Easter break to spring break, you know, to be inclusive. <laughs> and then for Christmas, I think we got two two or three weeks um, because Christmas and New Year's overlap. And then summer, we would get out of school in May and we would return to school in September. And now we're getting even less. So the schedule with my stepson, he gets out closer to June and then he has to go back to school in August. So they're just kind of shrinking those breaks and periods of time not being in school. Well, the impression I've always had about like the Christmas break, guys, you that you get, you have like like you said, that one or two weeks off. And then you're straight back into it, which I think we would benefit from in Australia as well. Because like you said, it's a week of Christmas, it's a week of New Year's. That's two weeks out of a, a school holidays where parents are scrambling to get things done and kids are overwhelmed with all the things that are happening. They only really get four weeks. So it'd be much better if we had a, a bit more time, say mid-year, like similar to what you guys have. But of right. course, weather would be different here. That's the only issue. Right. And then when I was a teacher... It we had like all of the breaks back to back to back when you first start. So let's say September, October, you're just getting started. November, you get like Thanksgiving, Christmas, you have Christmas and New Year's. And then after 
April, there's like no time off at all. So then you're just like, go, go, go until the very end. And I wonder if that is good for kids or not. Well, I don't think it, well, we can say by our own experiences that it probably isn't because my experience of kids that are in the public system is that if the parents are both working, these kids just end up at after school programs or holiday programs. So they're still physically within their school, but they've got daycare carers looking after them. That's the issue that I see. We don't see the the stereotypical movies of the 90s or the 80s when families would actually go away together on summer holidays or kids would go away. Yeah. Or like in the States, they go to a summer camp instead. Like they're still getting palmed off to someone else. So we're not seeing those quality family time that we should be seeing. And it all comes down to that bottom dollar of the family needs to earn money to put food on the table. Right. So I think that's a huge one. So you've got those little breaks and you've got no time off in between. Do you have public holidays that fall in what would be considered a regular school term that have to give them the odd one day off every now and again? We have, they have like weird days off. So um, Memorial Day, they have off um president's day indigenous people slash columbus day um and i think there's there might be a couple basically banking holidays like anything that would be a a banking holiday which is kind of strange when you think about that right (laughs) how related are the two (laughs) exactly a whole lot of our public holidays that are like that they tend to fall on school holidays or weekends so kids don't actually benefit from it we've got one coming up for our first week back which is we start the monday we have the public holiday for a tuesday so everyone's got the day off for anzac day which is like your memorial day oh we got some mood lighting over there there we go oh we did what (laughs) happened are you still there we're still there yep good you're fine Okay. Oh, what is happening? Okay. Okay. The computer. <laughs> Do you hear that? I did. I saw it. I heard the dropout. <laughs> so Kaylee's experiencing a storm in Texas at the moment. So <laughs> she may be a bit intermittent dropout, but we'll keep persevering. I but mean, yep. it's not even that bad of a storm. It's just like some rain. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> is that indicative of the American education system and the infrastructure that's been built then? <laughs> Can't hold up to a little bit of rain. I mean, I'm assuming public school still students built it, so there you go. Take from that what you will. <laughs> All right. So yeah, so, like I said, our public holidays right. kind of just have the weekend and holiday appeal behind it, whereas we get the odd one, like a Queen's birthday is or King's birthday as it'd be now. We have that off during a term. And the next one would be Melbourne Cup for my state, which is we have a day off for a horse race. So I'd be like your Kentucky Derby. Very interesting, right? That's amazing. Well, I wonder how long it's going to be before we have the Super Bowl weekend off. It's always always bothered me that you never had that because it's Super Bowl Sunday. Why wouldn't you have the Monday afterwards off? It doesn't make any sense, right? Like we should be able to have that day off to recover. You would assume so, wouldn't you? You would assume that. So that's what, like, and and you've got, is it four terms or do you have semesters? What have you got statewide? I, I honestly don't know. I think they call them semesters. But of course, I, I was in fifth grade when I left 
like a traditional school system to be homeschooled. Um, and then when I was teaching, it was just a private small school. So we just ran through the traditional school year. We didn't really categorize it into terms or anything like that. So we've got the challenge that, and it, in my state, it depends on when Easter falls or if there's like an event like the Commonwealth Games or anything that comes on that can dictate when our terms finish and start and all that type of stuff. But when you've got the government dictating when you have your public holidays and when you've got your term breaks or semester breaks, it's really actually impacting on the interactions you have with your children and as a family. Like if you think about right. um, holidays in Australia, for example, anytime it's a school holiday, the price of flights anywhere in the country, the price of accommodation, the price of um, water parks, all those stuff, they go up. They have a percentage they increase oh, by they just go because up it's like holidays. Crazy. Yeah. Right. Like they're kind of exploiting on that um, holiday time off, which and is for- crazy that you you brought that up. Um, I was browsing Facebook, which is basically the fourth level of hell today. And there was a letter that a superintendent wrote for there's a Taylor Swift concert in a Florida town. Um, so their school district took her song titles to make this funny, I mean, using air quotes, funny letter about them being reprimanded if they try to skip out on school to go to the concert because it's Thursday, Friday night. And the whole thing, while it was witty and they used all of the song titles correctly, it was so disturbing. Like reading that was disturbing about how um, you might look at me as the anti-hero or whatever her new song is, but... Um, All new levels of cringe right there. Oh, my God. And it was just like, you don't own these kids, and why should they have to miss out? Not that I would send my kids to a Taylor Swift concert, but why should they have to miss out on something that would be like a big moment of school? Like, what are you really going to miss in that one day, right? Exactly. Hear your, your thoughts about, about that, that well, one day being missed. So even like outside of school hours, the school was saying they'd be reprimanded if, if children attended it. Not outside what? of school hours, but if they skipped school or if they were late the next day because they oh went to God. the, then they would maybe have a cruel, cruel summer is one of her um, songs or... So this is this is the issue with your your school system over there that principals actually get bonuses based on student attendance that doesn't exist here. Yes. So, and of course, All they're the- going to emphasize you got to be at school at the right time by the bell, or I'm not getting my money. That's what it sounds like to me. Well, what Checking they do is they get. I can't remember how much it is. I think it's like a dollar and some change per day per student but they can only count them if they're in class by the time the first bell rings so if you're tardy they have to skip you for the day because you weren't there for the whole day is my understanding so even if you're late or if you have a doctor's note they can't make money off of your child not being there 
That's... So that's why they give out all of these arbitrary perfect attendance awards <sighs> and things like that. So your schools are actively getting money throughout the entire year, constantly being drip-fed money by the state or the government. Whereas... That's how they get their state their funding is through attendance. Whereas in my state and in Australia wide, we get funding from the state government roughly within the first term depends it's up to a certain point of enrollment and you get funding based on how many students the school has. So there's an issue of say five families in the school, they start at your school and they realize, you know, this school isn't a good fit for us, but we're going to move and go to the next school. They could have already left the school before the funding kicks in. So that school loses money from those kids or they've already got the funding for those kids and the kids attend a new school and those kids aren't actively accounted for in the budget anymore they've just got extra students that it's going to be a strain on the system that's also interesting well we pay a school tax we pay taxes and part of that goes for your school tax and i just don't understand like if we're paying this already how do they have to have perfect attendance to receive the money that we're paying for that service? Well, it sounds like double dipping to me. We've got the complete socialist left approach to that where we've got, in the past, there used to be a, a fee where parents would have to pay for their students' books and everything. They phased that out. Then it became um, voluntary donations that you might have a payment plan. You pay your $200, $250, and that goes towards uh, resourcing for the school. Yep, Okay. Then they completely got rid of that and the state government said it shouldn't be up to families um, to have to pay for their own children's education, which sounds great on paper and sounds like a really great it government doesn't. initiative. But it doesn't. <laughs> for, for, the, for the socialist left, it sounds great because our education yeah. should be free and they all that type of stuff. But it doesn't take into account the school then has to pay for it. So right. and it, here's a, an example that's not at all taken from my own school. But traditionally, we would have an enrollment of, say, 500 students and 250 bucks a kid. We'd have um, roughly through voluntary donations, we'd get $70,000 worth to spend on resources, books, pencils, pencil cases, resources, all that type of stuff. As soon as it became a no, you don't have to pay for it anymore. It's up to the school. That dropped down to like 20,000 in the space of one year. Wow. A lot of schools in Australia starting to go into into recession type of a a working debt it's called and they're in debt that's crazy but of course a parent can't go out and just buy their own books and resources for their kid because they know their books and stuff look different from everyone else's and that's not fair see that doesn't make any sense i if you're gonna have a model like that then i think maybe more along the lines of private school or what you're talking about where the parents would pay however much because I think that, I don't know, I feel like where you put your money, like you're going to be more invested in that. Like if I'm paying for a service, I'm going to care more. Yeah. Whereas if it's a free service, you're you like, oh, what, well. You get what you, you pay, pay for, for, right? Yeah, exactly right. right. And then that just, again, takes the responsibility off of parents. So, I mean, yeah, why not have eight kids that we can't take care of if we can just send them to school and they're taken care of all the time when you don't have to invest anything then you're literally not as invested (laughs) (laughs) literally very very astute it's um you've nailed it that that parental responsibility is even gone that 
everything education-wise is completely up to the school. Like in a situation of Victoria and other states in Australia, oh, it's a education is free. No one should have to pay for education. On paper and moralistically, yeah, it sounds okay, but it doesn't work in reality. Like you said, if you're relying on someone else to do it, you're putting a lot of faith in the system that it's going to work, but we know the system doesn't work. Otherwise, there wouldn't be massive failures in it. Right. And I uh, I wish more parents would get involved to find out what's being taught at their school. So our, I guess, first grader, he's in first grade now, um, coming up, they have Pride Week at their school. And that is mind-blowing to me. Why are we talking about these things with literal first graders? He is six years old. Why are we doing this? This is bananas. This is bananas. It's it's absolutely nuts. Now that we're talking about that, I really feel like I need to share with you what um, my curriculum looks like. I'll go to a government site. I'll share my screen. Okay. And for the listeners, this is I know this is an audio one, but if you want to look at the Victorian curriculum, just type in Victorian curriculum. That's my state curriculum. But let's share it and I'll show Kaylee. All right. Can you see my screen? Yes. Okay. So I'll go through what their curriculum is. So we've got the arts, critical and creative thinking, which is not critical nor creative, English, <laughs> ethical capabilities, health and physical Ugh. education, the humanities, intercultural what? capability, languages, mathematics, personal and social capability, Ugh. science and technologies. Okay. So that's something that schools really, because this is curriculum, it's mandated to say all students should be getting this. But like I've said in other shows, there's so much curriculum here, even according to our um, experts, that it's not enough time to teach it. It's just too bloated. Let's have a look at This arts. website is so sterile looking. Isn't it? Like <laughs> a hospital or something. <laughs> Very white. Give me a chalk rainbow or something. Jeez. <laughs> So the arts is broken down is dance, drama, media arts, music, visual arts, visual communication and design. So that's essentially another like five or six curriculum areas. I mean, that sounds amazing. It sounds great, but there's just so much to it. English is broken down um, into just English reading, writing and English as a second language. Uh, we've got humanities, which is broken down into civics and citizenship. I wonder who they're trying to manipulate there. Economics and businesses, um, in business, geography, history, um, languages. Oh, now, this is dependent on schools. So there's Arabic. Do you guys actually teach all of those? Not all of them. So it depends on the school. We at my um, at our school, we teach Auslan, which is Australian Sign Language, but a lot of it's reflective of our migrant um, communities in Australia. Okay, right. Yeah. Um, and then the last one, technologies, which is design tech. Um, and digital technologies, but it's a very broad, uh, bloated curriculum. Let's have a look at, I'll pick a, say, a mid-year level, level three. Let's have a look at... This website makes me uncomfy. I'm trying a teacher and looking at it. But the, here's yeah. the thing. The content descriptors are what we need to teach, right? So we look at that and we think about how do we incorporate that into our lessons. But they are so broad and so grey you could literally teach whatever you want and just split hairs to try and connect it. Okay. Um, I mean, that sounds okay, I guess. If you've got the, if you've got the, yeah, it depends on who the teacher is. And this is where I'm getting at. Uh, If you've got a level headed average normal person, 
it's fine. If you have an extreme, I'm going to go with both political persuasions. If you have an extreme lefty, they're going to push um, social Marxism, a lot of left-leaning policy and ideas into their lessons and not even realize it. Or they do, which is worse. Same thing, you can have an extremely right-wing person who could put a lot of um, legitimate racism or hatred and things into their lessons. But let's have a look at one. Here's a content descriptor. Identify how and why decisions are made democratically in communities. So how do you teach a child that, being that broad? Especially Uh, when you look at the way elections are made these days and how they run. (laughs) Making a decision as a whole class by allowing everyone to have a say in a vote. Conducting role plays which allow for equal presentation of viewpoints about citizenship topics. Well, we know in society in general, there's no equal presentation of viewpoints. There's definitely no. a controlled um, groupthink happening. So how do we see that happen in schools without people jumping up and down? You know, I guess you just show them this website. Easy <laughs> <Here's your laughs> curriculum, go for it. <laughs> oh my gosh uh but it is a a whole mixed bag of crazy things our curriculum so anyway i thought I'd do you guys you are you teaching anything on the lgbt abcd <sighs> group that is in a mandated brand new curriculum called respectful relationships Uh-oh. which all schools <laughs> have to do as a mandate by our state premier uh, to the point where our schools get audited to see where we're up to in teaching and implementing it. What? And there's so much in it that if parents knew what was in it, they'd be up in arms. And there's so much in it that morally I can't bring myself to do, which is one of the major reasons why I left a traditional classroom and I went into a specialist arts teaching role so I don't have to touch it. Wow. So what can you tell what the the details of this are? So the that parents would be up in arms. Would be- <laughs> so I'll, I'll go through the little bit of a, a backstory behind it. And um, we're kind of derailing from our whole point about like what the, the year looks like, but it goes into curriculum anyway. So respectful relationships was a government issued um, curriculum that was brought in as a response to high rates of domestic violence in Victoria, the highest in the country which on its, on its face, you know, that's great. We don't want people abusing their spouses. The problem in that is that the way they record and they define domestic violence changed dramatically in the legal wording. Traditionally, it would have been physical assaults, pushing, that type of thing. Now it's, it's classified as domestic violence if you raise your voice or yell at your partner. So anyone that's having an, an argument, a disagreement with your partner, which it happens, like, that's what yeah. healthy relationships are about. You disagree with each other, you can get um, emotional. If your neighbours hear you yelling at your partner, your wife or your husband, and your neighbours report that to the police, that goes down as, as a statistic for domestic violence. So, of course, oh. I, in the space of three or four years, that of jumped it would dramatically. Spike, it right? spiked. So the government went, oh, yep, there's a lot of disrespect towards women in our state, so we're going to mandate a curriculum that teaches boys how to be better better men because women women don't yell right no of course not (laughs) don't Um, tell my husband (laughs) (laughs) and that's the big thing there's um a big push behind it being men are the perpetrators of this and it does happen with women but the numbers are so small that it's the issues with men okay whatever they brought this curriculum in 
And the first few lessons of it, especially starting off younger, it's all about um, being respectful, being kind to others, um, not pushing, not shoving, that type of a deal. But it slowly starts to pivot into consent. Um, you, as a child, you have the, you can consent if someone touches you or not. And which, from the outside looking, in parents are like, yeah, that's awesome. I don't want my kid yeah, being touched definitely up by someone. Teach that. Awesome, yeah. fantastic. Then it slowly becomes okay. Here's the slippery slope analogy. Don't push, don't hit people. I consent to be touched. I consent to um, being around people. Then it becomes, have you ever considered that people of other gender um, identities feel about this and how they might be discriminated against? Um, have you ever put yourself in the shoes of someone who's in the LGBTQI plus community? And it slowly over time, as the year levels get higher, goes into a position where it's pushing that left-wing extreme gender theory. Uh, what pronoun. grade does that start? Or it what starts, age? starts at prep. So um, six, five and six. And wow. goes all the way up. And I don't even think that's developmentally appropriate for them to try to put themselves in other people's shoes. Oh, God, no. Like, period. I don't think six-year-olds are capable of that intellectually. I don't think they're on empathy. I've met a lot of six still in that um, preservation, worried about myself phase. There's... Oh, sorry, you're back. You... Yeah, I lost you for a yeah. bit. Sorry, you're talking about um, children not being intellectually capable for putting themselves in someone else's shoes or empathizing with what other people are feeling, which right. I, I, I agree with you. They're not six year olds. No, and they're very smart in that they've done it as. Um, no, they're just learning about who they are, who they are as a person, how they want to be treated as in the young years. But it definitely they're takes six. A... They haven't even picked their favorite color yet. <laughs> no, exactly. They're still picking their nose uh, and eating it. Right, right. But it just it, that... de- it definitely goes to that extreme left gender ideology for the older years. Um, even that outside of this and this this curriculum has pushed this within it in schools as well. Teachers are mandated under our profession that if a child comes to us um, questioning their gender or they say they identify as another gender, we must affirm their gender, what they decide to identify with. We must do it in a situation where families um, are not willing or don't agree to this gender transition. It is the responsibility of the school and its teachers to help that child transition what which i am dead against um if that ever happens i'd be just removing myself from that situation because i'm not what does that mean by affirming them like you have to call call them the correct pronouns call them the correct pronouns but then it goes along the lines of um without the assistance of doctors or psycho um um, psychologists you help that child in their transition process so there's, the school might have special meetings with this kid and they discuss about like, you know, what the next steps are for you. You know, you identify as a girl now. Um, would you like to start dressing more feminine? Would you like to wear a school dress? Um, would you like to use the girls' toilets, for example? Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. And this is where we have issues of families not knowing what's going on. And if they do know what's going on, who's going to be the person copying the abuse at the end of the day? The classroom teacher. 
So what kind of teacher wants to put themselves in that position if they don't actually agree with that on, on a moral level? How many of your fellow teachers are on board with that, would you say? I'd say I'm probably one of three teachers in the whole school that don't agree with it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's crazy. It's, um, it's quite concerning and it's anything that's a captured, uh, a captured group or a captured government department, especially in our state, which has been left leaning for the longest time, it's pushing that in society. And that's the issue that we talk about, about on our show with schools that they're, they're pushing social agendas based on what the government wants. Yes. Based on what the government wants, period. Because when I was in school, um, like post 9-11 it was all very patriotic so then you had like the citizens um learning about your state and how to be a good citizen and things like that and I think it it might be based on what they want that generation to do um we were watching a movie from my childhood that was a Disney channel original called Smart House with the kids the other day and it was crazy like with the AI propaganda and um, one of the lines was soon this house will know more about you than you know about yourself. And it's just, I, they didn't have movies like that necessarily with my husband's and his age demographic as blatant. Um, So I think that's part. So it, it makes me wonder like with these kids, what is the world going to look like when they're 30? I think there's going to be a, a high rate of suicide. Um, a lot of well, we men- see that is now, we see now that on now. the rise. You're, yeah. you're going to see a lot of mentally and physically broken people. Right. A lot. Um, yeah. Personally, I see that we're going to look back at these, the 2020s as like the Joseph Mengele experiments, but society-wide. Yeah, it's the damage that's been done to these kids is insane. Ridiculously so. so. Is there a way for parents to find out more about the curriculum in depth without just asking the school staff like is on that website it didn't look like it talked about anything lgbt well it's it's on that site you just have to um click around a little bit it's all publicly available this is the problem all of it's publicly available but no one knows where to look uh and of course um people with a certain agenda will downplay it oh that's not what that means that won't happen but it does happen of course and what and how much can you really know when your child is away from you for eight hours a day? Exactly. Exactly. Like right. even the undertones and the um, things that are not said, but subliminal messages. Um, crazy. Mm. I've got to, I've got to go over a, uh, a little interaction I had with my sister and my brother-in-law last Sunday family dinner we had. And I'm of course, always the person that brings up politics or religion at the dinner table and just, of course, why not? Why not? Uh, my sister is adamantly anti-religious um, in all aspects. And the conversation came around to, we 
shouldn't be exposing kids to religion in schools, period. If you want any kind of religious education, you need to go to Sunday school. And I said, well, religious schools are private schools. So parents are choosing to put their children in, in that in that environment. That's what they're paying for. It's a product, right? It's, it's a free market. Right. Yeah, but kids just shouldn't be exposed to it. And I said, well, what about public schools? Look at the amount of stuff kids are exposed to. Oh, that's just curriculum. I'm like, yeah, but it's curriculum with a, an agenda and a spin on it. There's so much political <laughs> uh, stuff happening in schools. Brother, my brother on the goes, oh, but that's education though. Everything's political in life. You just have to learn about it. I'm like, yeah, but it's being pushed in one area and not the other. It's not exposing kids to both sides of politics. Right. Said, okay, remove politics from it. It's social Marxism. It's literally social Marxism. How can you say that being exposed to religion, not being exposed to religion is better than just having complete social Marxism as a something to expose your yeah. kids to? Well, I bet that they would also be amazed at what goes on in the school. Yeah. When teachers are talking to students all day, every day, there is more than just curriculum. Absolutely, there is. It's not just a, here's your... Here's your um, template for the lesson. Here's what the lesson is, and that's it. And the teacher follows a script. It's incidental conversations right. along the way. It's questions from kids. And of course, if you've right. got a certain political leaning or ideology, unfortunately, even as professionals, teachers will let that slip or they'll get of the, course. their opinions known. Of course. When I was in fourth grade, I mean, my teacher, it wasn't ever inappropriate, but we knew quite a bit about him. We knew that his wife was a professor at U of M. We knew that his son was a writer. He hated George Bush. Like there are just a lot of things that we knew about him. And um, that does go into shaping the mind of a young person. It absolutely does. And it's um, within my state, the, the educational system, that's where it drives out anyone with a differing opinion, where on its face, the government will say, Teachers are supposed to be apolitical in their profession. They're professionals. They shouldn't be pushing any kind of political agenda. I, I absolutely agree with that. But when the political agenda is being pushed via curriculum you have to teach, and if you ever speak out against it or have an opposing view to it, that's when teachers lose their jobs. So they're right. actively trying to flush out people who think differently within public schools. Well, it's another follow the money type of program like medical care. And it's crazy to me how many people will see that with doctors, vaccines, things of that nature, but they don't see it with school. Like we think that that's like this sacred place where that can't apply here, but it definitely does. Um, because again, look at the people who are writing the curriculum and I'm sure you can find out their political standings and I'm sure they all align with each other. Because they're all collaborating together. You're not going to find a completely diverse group of people writing one curriculum. Um, it's not like, you know, a Jew, a priest, and a rabbi walking into a bar. <laughs> like, that's not what's happening here. Yes, it's so, like, um, it's if you stack any panel or any governing body with a certain type of people, they're going to push their own views through, no matter how much they don't think they are. Um, of course. So this respectful relationships, this came out as a... a individual state thing for Victoria, but was heavily influenced by one that's state uh, nationwide in Australia called Safe Schools. And ironically, one of the big wigs who helped write Safe Schools is a man who's wanted for pedophilia in Africa. What? 
Yep. No way. Uh, wanted for solicitation of little boys in, I think it was Ghana or Nigeria, one of the North African countries. And this is not just well-known information? Oh, or it is, it, and people just ignore it. It's well-known, and the left ignores it, and there's the large uh, sleeping community that don't really care. And is there even a way to wake up parents to all of this that's going on? Hopefully that's like what if you haven't <laughs> if you haven't caught on by now, will you? Well, that's a very true thing. Are we just banging our heads against a wall? Man, I I am in a court battle with my ex husband over our kids going to public school versus um, being homeschooled. He wants them in a accredited program because it's the only way you can learn is if the state approves that you are learning right so bonkers um and i especially here where we're having these school shootings happen all the time i just can't imagine prioritizing um accreditation over safety and that Like, even if it was for that alone, regardless of your political views, religious views, any of that, but the safety aspect alone should be enough for people to question whether or not this is the right environment. If people who went to this school are growing up and coming back to shoot this place up, maybe it's the place that's the problem. Yeah, and, you know, you have a right as a parent to protect your child against social contagion, which is what we're seeing in broader communities at the moment. When you've got every media outlet, every company, every um, online resource pushing one idea, of course it's going to influence your kid's education. You have a right for your child to have psychological and um, theological protection. That's why private schools exist. That's why... Um, religious dom- denominational schools exist so it gives you the the illusion of choice or the choice of where you send your kid so why can't right. we add into that choice i want to raise and educate my child right exactly and you look at all the risk and i i think it's just crazy we moved to a smaller town from um austin and even here like in the news just a couple weeks ago there was a teacher in our um, quote unquote, safe small community school who was arrested for um, child porn. And if, I mean, with school shootings, teachers are constantly being arrested for inappropriate relationships with students and child pornography. And just let's just pause. Let's just pause and take a step out of our conditioning and see if we still think like if we did a blind study a blind pros and cons list and like which one do you think is the best and then put labels on it if people would still choose the public school system exactly they would exactly um just because it's a, a government department or a private school or a religious denominational school doesn't mean these sick and twisted individuals aren't attracted to those positions. They they are attracted to positions of power. You see it in the Boy Scouts. You see it in (laughs) sporting organizations. You see it in churches. It is everywhere. Uh Yeah, it's everywhere because they want easy access where people let their guard down. Like people who work in schools have a clear background check so far. Mm -hmm. 
they have it now, but everybody who has a bad background check had a good one at some point. Exactly. So it's just a <laughs> a matter of, um, I would say, time and opportunity for the people who want to do something horrific. Exactly right. It's It's a very bizarre time that we live in that we can put our kids into the trusted care of someone and hoping they're safe where we're we're away from them for the seven and a half hours a day. Just thinking that's just trust in the system. Can you truly trust the system? Let's just roll the dice and see what happens. Maybe today there will be a school shooting. Maybe there won't. (laughs) Yeah. Like luckily, luckily Australia doesn't have that situation going on here, but that's just another added thing to it. Like I couldn't imagine sending my kid to a school and or even a teacher going to school wondering, is there going to be some mentally deranged person that's going to come in with a gun today? And right. I'm, a, I'm a pro-gun person. I'm not against firearms, but it's it's the fact that that's a possibility because there are twisted people out there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something you have to think about. And I just don't think it's, I don't know, I guess risk versus reward for you. But, man. And this is kind of running into the problem. I think that the system is countering what's currently happening worldwide, that a lot of people are moving away thanks to COVID. A lot of people are moving away to wanting to teach their own children themselves or they go to like teaching hubs where like-minded people bring their kids together and they have a teacher that they pay for or one of them is the teacher. Situations like that. The government's very big on regulation. If you're not meeting our criteria, you're not doing it right. You're a risk to those children. This is what we see happening now. Well, I'm going to pull up for you the statistic. I found some facts on homeschooling um, for how many people are homeschooling now. So this is in the U.S. for ages kindergarten through 12th grade. There were about 2.5 million homeschool students in spring of 2019. And then every year after has grown 8% since 2019. So United States is the fastest growing form. um, Homeschool is the fastest growing form of education. And demographically, um minorities black minorities are the largest growing demographic of homeschooling families but yeah i can't blame them with the amount of things that's happened in america with the african-american community tuskegee experiments um Uh a lot of things happen to that community so i'm I'm not surprised they're not trusting of the system but i'm just um i'm happy to see that and also it makes me angry with all the pushback that homeschoolers get and the prejudice, um, the prejudice that homeschoolers get. My friend is a homeschooling mom. She's got three beautiful little girls and she took them to the dentist the other day and the dentist is looking at her teeth. She has some cavities as, you know, anybody with the American diet does. And the dentist asked if she homeschooled, I guess, because they're a little bit older. And of course, they're not in school today. And she goes, yes, we do. And the dentist scoffed at her 
and said, well, that explains it. Oh, <laughs> seriously? So there's, yes. So there's still that prejudice against homeschooling and it blows my mind. Like people think of homeschoolers as being neglected, uneducated, um, weird, you know, there's that weird homeschooler. So there's this underlying prejudice um, when, you know, kids in America are walking around public schools identifying as cats. So, I mean, I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Trans species. It's a thing that's happening. (laughs) Oh my God. But it's, it's, it's going beyond like homeschooling now. It's just like freedom in general. There's a film that's come out recently and the name escapes me, but it's about a a husband and wife and their, their two or three daughters and they decide they want to leave the city and they move out to a mountainous regional area in the States and they start living a homesteading sustainable life. Loving parents, loving kids. They're in the wild, they're back to nature. They're self-sustainable. They're enjoying life. And it starts off really nice. And they're, they're making connections with community members and they're trading and bartering things. And the kids are learning what social interactions are. And then the movie goes down a really dark route that a kid that's from the town comes and befriends a couple of the daughters and that girl goes back and tells their parents who live in the town that there's a community of people living in the in the mountains and it, it starts a system where a government appointed agent comes out to make sure they're following the curriculum and they're a registered homeschooling situation and this group of people tell them to go kick rocks and then of course the government comes in with ar-15s and helicopters and rolling bearcat tanks and kind of demolish everything it's this is a movie that's this coming a, out recently. This, this is a movie that's come out recently. I'll have to find the link because for it and send it to you. more people are leaving the system and they exactly. want to demonize that. They want they to scare and you. That's even what I subconsciously. Yeah, subconsciously it's telling oh. me you can do it, but you know, the government's got guns and tanks and helicopters. We don't want another Waco people. Don't try right. and dare, how dare you love your children and raise them in a different environment while still getting the message across that that is a more peaceful way to live mm-hmm. and will kill you if you don't yeah. do what we say. This so is the better option, the but we'll kill you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a better option, but you can't have it because we've got all this. Is Do you think there's anything that could be done now to remove the agenda in the school system? Well, I've kind of given up on political solutions, to be honest. So I don't think any party could come in and remove it all. It's just far too ingrained. Even if you did believe, like in my situation, that a right-wing government could come in, they'd never be able to clean house. All the departments are stacked with little left-leaning socialist communists that it's ingrained now. It's in the DNA of our education system. You can't get rid of it. Um, Unfortunately, the only way you'll ever get around it is either one, to homeschool your kids or two, be very involved with your child's education and make sure that your values and what you hold dear in life are passed on to your kids and make your kids right. aware of that there, you know, there's an agenda in schools. It may not be a guy behind a camera watching every single student uploading thoughts into their heads, but there is an agenda in school. And we know the government does run mandated curriculums, which is social engineering. They've admitted as much. Right. How involved can parents be there in uh, school? They need to have Is a, it limited? It is limited. They have a working with children's check. 
And then it's really up to the discretion of the school or the classroom teacher. So when I first started off, I was really open to having parents come in, come in, or this is our day that we do our reading groups. If you can come in and read with a couple of groups, that'd be really helpful. Um, Excursions, camps, I'd always ask for parent volunteers. But that's an uphill battle with the amount of parents that are working full time. You might right. get the, the good them every now and again, you've got those really involved parents that come in and they do like the, the lunch orders where we um, make food of the day for the kids. You get that kind of involvement, but you don't get a real involvement curriculum wise. It's always the volunteer helper aspect. Very right. rarely do you get parents come in to teach or to help. Um, what is it, that check that parent check? It's a working with children's check. So yes. anyone in my state and, to a larger extent nationwide, anyone that wants to work with children. Um, so there's a volunteered or a paid version. So if you're getting paid for your job, you have to have the paid one, volunteer one. It's just a simple check by police. But anyone who works with kids, anyone who volunteers with the kids, like sports, um, camps, um, like the holiday program where you read stories to books that are, <laughs> uh, books <laughs> to kids at a, a library, hopefully not in drag, um, you'd have a working with children's check. <laughs> Do they have, are they allowed to check the people with drag or is that discrimination? Oh, they, they, they'd have a working with children check, but they'd probably <laughs> say it's, it's, it's diverse and inclusive and it's allowed to be. Wow. And what does that entail? Is it um, just like a, like a background check? It's like, like a police check? background check. Yeah. Essentially okay. that's it. Make sure that you haven't had any um, convictions, criminal convictions, anything like that. So it's very, even in that it's very surface yeah. level. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much what we have here also. I'm just looking up the name of that video before I forget it. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on? Um, I think that was it. We have started our quote unquote summer break. Um, So we are not actively doing any hard curriculum learning. We have switched to um, before you have any screens, you need to do reading. Um, we're going to do art, music, and then outside time every day. So those four things have to be checked off their um, kid to-do list before they get any um, screen time. But other than that, we've um, laid off for the year because we are about to have blended family schedules. And that's going to be a bit chaotic. So in order to alleviate that in advance, we've just switched to a more... Um, super relaxed homeschool (laughs) break so let's finish on a high then if you do have the ability to say through a summer break or christmas holidays like we have in australia if you've got the time to take time off work and you can have say a week or two weeks what are your suggestions what do you do with your kids what do you do to make sure that they're enjoying themselves and having a break from the education that they've been going through a lot of outside time I think is super important. Like if we can get them in nature and just like sit back and observe them because they will still be asking you a thousand questions. They will still be learning. Go to the beach. Um, If you're looking for free things to do, go outside, learn about flowers, um, get some chalk for the driveway and do lots of arts and crafts. And I, I don't know, just slow down and follow your kids lead, see what they want to do. Yeah. Perfect. And you know who your kids are, you know what their interests are. If 
even if it's something as simple as you see that uh, a local library has maybe like a a cartoonist that's come in once and is teaching kids for the afternoon. If your kid's into drawing art, take them to that. Get, make sure they get to hang out with family, cousins, all that type of stuff. If you've got good relationships, of course, with your family. Right, uh, right. All the things that kids can't do when they're constrained by a timetable and a curriculum of the school Man, year. Man, let them sleep in. Yes. Recover. God, let I've been recover. sleeping in this school holiday. So I've been waking up like yeah. 9.30 each day. It's a godsend. Like I imagine not only mentally, but physically, your body probably just needs to recover. So I would say don't push a schedule too hard. Don't have a full itinerary. Just like let them recover. Let them breathe. Exactly. Um, I found the name of this film. It's called Manifest West. And what I might do is I'll actually show you what it is for the trailer. Oh, can we play the trailer? And we can play the trailer and the audience can listen to it as well. Let me just share my screen and we'll go from there. Once there was a family of pioneers. They were looking for a better life. Riley, we can't leave without you. This is home. No, home is right when we're together. Are you going to have a job like before? No, unless I want one. You know what? Because we're going on an adventure. This place. Home. When do we go back to school? What if you didn't have to? We make the rules now, all four of us. We'd be a family of mountain men in no time. <laughs> what did your dad do? He's like a farmer. It's fake. You're the real deal, aren't you? We're a dying breed up here. We're the shining city on the hill, right? That's us, dude. Do you think this place is good for you? Is it helping? Mr. Hayes, I'm with the Department of Child and Family Services. Do either of you have a criminal record? What did you do? What? I'm sorry. What did you do? on to you they have that is so strange anyway <laughs> i'll add a link for this trailer in the episode show notes and you'll come go and watch that uh, manifest west very interesting take on what's happening with the world today i'm definitely gonna have to check that out and see see what that's all about yeah because all I, of those little hidden messages it's everywhere ve- about homeschoolers it's very very telling for people who want to you know just be a bit more self-sufficient and raise their kids the way that they see fit you are dangerous individuals out there, people, and you are on a watch list. Keep living that dangerous life. That's right. Hashtag oh. thug life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kelly. This is a good one. We um, went into some dark parts during the middle, but yes, our, our uh, schedules for the year look very different. Um, and at the end of the day, what you do with your kids outside of a standard school term or semester that is entirely up to you i encourage people to try and take off as much time as you can during these periods to make sure that your kids are actually engaged with you and not being sent to after school programs and being raised by someone else Ta-da. Ta-da. all right everyone <laughs> this is a great episode and we will catch you next time